Life and Culture with Betsy Kim on WNHH LP 103.5 FM. Hello, I'm Betsy Kim. Earlier this week, Alexion Pharmaceuticals announced it's cutting its workforce by 20% and moving its headquarters from New Haven to Boston. As Paul Bass in his September 12th New Haven Independent article wrote, it took a pharmaceutical company company, just over 18 months to move its headquarters into a new downtown New Haven tower with promises of up to $52 million of state help, then start packing for Boston. One professor of entrepreneurship and strategy at Quinnipiac University, John Cadden, argues this is not a black eye for New Haven's efforts to be known as a business-friendly city. He's here in the WNHH studio, where we're on the radio, 103.5 FM, and the New Haven Independence Facebook Live page. So, Professor Cadden will talk more about Alexion, corporate incentives, and why he's not seeing this company move as indicative of a state problem in attracting and maintaining new businesses. Professor Cadden, welcome to Law, Life, and Culture. Thank you so much for having me. First off, aside from any potential reputation damage the city of New Haven could sustain as a result of Alexion's announcement, how harmful to the city is this planned move? Well, any move of this nature is not going to be viewed as beneficial in any way. But I think um, we have the capability to recover from this. And I think that um, those people that are familiar with Alexion would probably see that this isn't a black mark necessarily against the state or the city of New Haven. I read that Alexion plans to lay off 210 people, according to the New Haven Register. And I also read Alexion plans to lay off 20% of their total workforce, of, which is about 600 people. So are these 210 people all from the Alexion location at the 100 College Street in New Haven? Well, I think they're arguing that they're going to move to Boston and they'll bring 400 people. And it's not necessarily clear if all 400 are coming out of the New Haven office. But they're also talking about having 450 people remain in the new building. But in terms of the people let go in New Haven, is that number supposed to be about 210? Yeah, I would estimate it to be in that that range. So how capable is New Haven of absorbing or reemploying these 210 people? Well, I think it really depends upon the movement, not only of the New Haven... um, economic development team, but to a great extent, Yale and perhaps UConn and some of the other uh, educational institutions in the state to be able to really generate entrepreneurial activity that would be able to fill up those spots. I know that the head of the um, economic development program in New Haven referred to it as two steps forward, one step back, and that basically he has a degree of confidence that we'll be able to find Uh, tenants for many of the uh, offices in that building. The Providence Journal reported that the company is laying off another 250 people in Rhode Island, eliminating employees from the Smithfield facility. What do these kinds of layoffs do in a city the size of New Haven or the size of Providence or its outlying towns? Do they affect strategic planning and entrepreneurial motivation to start businesses in the city? I I think it can. And I think one has to be very careful uh, in terms of what the immediate response will be. I think it's a little too late um, from a strategic standpoint to take a look and try to take remedial action. But I think it's not too late to try and run a counter program against the perception that both Connecticut 
and New Haven are business unfriendly. I mean, I think some of the reasons for Alexion moving were really beyond uh, New Haven's um, ability to deal with it. Okay. You know, the New Haven Independent, as well as you had referenced in your um, comments earlier, had reported that the company stated that 450 jobs will remain here. Local employees will work in research and process development, laboratories, the clinical supply and quality teams, nurse case management, and then enterprise business services. So in terms of layoff, how significantly does this move of headquarters affect people, those who stay and continue to work here, those who move to Boston? And can you also talk about those who are going to be let go? Well, they're going to be uh, getting rid of about 20% of their entire workforce. And uh, let's go back to some of the history of Alexion, because I think that's more important than taking a look singularly at uh, New Haven and Connecticut. Uh, a little over a year ago, their CEO decided to resign for personal reasons. That was rapidly followed by the chief financial officer. Uh, that, in turn, was followed by a number of executives that have chief in front of their designation. And that's never a good sign. If you take a look at their stock price over the last year, you can see that it precipitously dropped from about $145 dollars uh, down to about 92. We're talking about, you know, a, a 33% drop in stock value. Subsequently, it's going back up to about 145, I think, today. Uh, so they took a beating. On top of that, they made an acquisition and they paid in excess of $8 billion for the acquisition. And the market generally argued that they were paying too much for that. Throw on top of that, they had a number of their documents seized down in San Paulo, Brazil. So there was some concern that they may have been engaged in some uh, malfeasance. And they're also being investigated by the uh, U.S. Health and uh, Human Services Division. So I think what happened was that they posted an interim president. He didn't get the position. They brought someone in from the outside, and he's basically laying waste in order to put his stamp on the organization. And that's part and parcel of the reason why they moved to Boston. Well, I can see how the troubles that you've described would lead to a 20% cut in workforce, but I'm not so certain I quite understand the connection to then moving headquarters uh, from New Haven to Boston. How would that help their situation? Some people have said that the new president has deep connections with Boston. And sometimes we find that the reason for moving corporate headquarters is as much the will and uh, whimsy of the CEO in terms of where they want to live as it is for any objective business decision. He argued that they would have a richer talent in biotechnology. He also said that there would be more businesses in biotechnology and pharmaceutical that they could have relationships with, possibility acquisitions. Um, so he was utilizing that. And the third one was the proximity to Logan International Airport, which seems to be now a very, very big issue in relocation of corporate headquarters. Okay. And that's one I think that the state does have a problem with. Yeah. 
You know, in 2015, as part of Connecticut's first five investment program, an initiative to stimulate business and economic growth with expectations that the biopharmaceutical company would create up to 300 jobs, the state provided a 10-year loan of $20 million at 1% interest that was deferred along with the principal for five years. And Connecticut also provided loan forgiveness of 16 to $20 million, plus a $6 million grant um, to build laboratories and to purchase equipment. Now, that's breaking down the $52 million of state aid noted in the New Haven Independent article. But with all these incentives, when a big company moves its headquarters, this comes off, does it come off as particularly bad PR for the city left behind, in this case, New Haven, with all these corporate incentives offered? If one doesn't know some of the background of Alexion, then it obviously does. It looks as though even with these benefits, even uh, with Alexian saying, we'll gladly pay the $20 million and the $6 million uh, grant money, that really gives New Haven a black eye to those that really haven't done their homework. Let's talk a little bit more about the first five investment program. The 13 first five companies that receive economic stimulus packages in Connecticut are Cigna, NBC Sports, Alexion, ESPN, CareCentrics, Sustainable Building Systems, Deloitte, Bridgewater Associates, Charter Communications, Navigators, Pitney Bowes, EDAC, and Synchrony Bank. Is it good for investments so these companies do not leave? Or are taxpayers subsidizing huge corporate pay? And are these corporate giveaways or corporate welfare that you hear about? I think this is one of the most interesting topics because it really, you have people both on the extreme right and on the extreme left that tend to agree uh, that these are corporate giveaways. On the, ex- on the right, uh, their argument is that the government has no functional role Uh, to interfere with the forces of the market, that governments tend to pick losers rather than winners. Although I think it would be interesting to do an analysis to see uh, any state government success record with uh, many of the venture capitalists in terms of their success records. Uh, On the left, it's viewed as uh, giving it corporate welfare and seeing it as being translated quite often into a uh, enabling CEOs to have uh, you know extreme salaries. Uh, I think the first five is still up for grabs in terms of its success record. Um, the first five years of analysis um, indicated that there might be some degree of success that warranted it. Uh, it's interesting if you see the breakdown uh, that forty percent of it went to financial firms and insurance firms. And that's followed uh, by um, biotech, and that's followed by manufacturing, each of whom had 53%. And you also can throw in digital media. That actually had about 23%. Uh, So the idea was to try and support these industries to maintain jobs here and to create jobs. The analysis at midpoint for the first 10 years indicated that the state was paying about $18,000 for each job that was created and maintained. And I'm sorry, it was about $13,000, which is better than the, the one of the averages 
of $18,000. One of the problems with this entire issue is that there are a large number of studies to indicate whether it pays for the state to support jobs. Uh, different economists use different databases. They use different variables. They use different statistical models. So you wind up with widely different uh, results as to the average cost per job. So I, I'd say basically so far at the midpoint doesn't include uh, 2017. Uh, the five, the first five program was on its way to success. Okay. So I know you've noted that different studies come out with different results, but is it your view that these incentives and tax credit programs generally work? Do they help stimulate the economy and create jobs? If you go through a number of these studies, it the the overall finding is that they do have some beneficial effect and that's not a wide, you know, a wide beneficial effect. You know, I'd probably argue that they have a much more beneficial effect than states uh, supporting the building of stadiums for baseball or football. Is there any merit to the thought that are they taking away hard-earned dollars from working-class people to support the higher-end salaries as well? I would probably argue, particularly in the first five, they are taking away taxpayer money to support mid-level position jobs. And, you know, one of the bizarre natures of uh, Connecticut's state tax program, income tax program, is that the upper-income individuals are paying about 30% of all state income taxes that that have been paid. Now, you had already mentioned um, Alexion's internal problems that I wanted to chat about a little bit more with the firing and departures of most of its top leadership, questionable sales practices leading to even the police raid that you noted in Sao Paulo in their Brazil office and exorbitant pricing of its drug Solaris. So, so Lyris and an SEC investigation for potential violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. This I all read about in Business Week, but do these troubles, do they if people know about them, soften the notion that New Haven drove out Alexion by a non-friendly attitude toward businesses? Or do they give a notion that why are we supporting such a troubled business with these kinds of incentive programs? Well, we, the programs began before the problems became known at Alexion. So, so. Usually with troubled companies, are there any kind of indications that a company is headed south or a little um, facing some challenges, or there was no such indications or signs? I think in Alexian's case, it, it was basically a surprise. I mean, sometimes you can do some statistical analysis to see if a, con- a company might be going bankrupt and come up with a probability of it. Um, I don't think that type of analysis was conducted by the state, but I think by and large, they got blindsided. Is a surprise, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you follow, and I was looking at it today, the... Um, no stock price map for Alexion. It's you know, as I said, it's up to about 150, and then it precipitously drops. And interestingly enough, you know, after these initial announcements of uh, the loss of their top executives, it began to climb back up again. Okay. Okay. No, I'm not sure I understand Alexion's financial gains by this move. According to again Paul Bass's New Haven Independent article. Connecticut will require Alexion to pay back 
its $20 million loan and five and $6 million grant with interest and penalties. And Alexion CEO Ludwig Hansen acknowledged repayment obligations under the terms of the loan. That's already putting the company $26 million behind. What are the conditions that would drive the willingness to take this kind of loss? Did the city of Boston most likely offer a much sweeter deal? As far as I know, there's no indication that uh, Boston offered them any deal whatsoever. Um, it looks to me as though the CEO made a clear decision, either I much prefer Boston, or we feel that uh, there'll be a greater number of biotech talent that we can tap into. And I really think probably is we'll have more connections with uh, other biotech firms in Boston where we can either acquire them or steal their talent, or develop some type of joint operations. Well, it's always a sweet deal to listen to WNHH 103.5 FM in New Haven. You're listening to Law, Life, and Culture with Quinnipiac University Professor of Entrepreneurship and Strategic Strategy Emeritus David Cadden, and I'm Betsy Kim. So you were talking more about how businesses select cities as headquarters based on other reasons beyond state financial incentives. Can you discuss more how powerful and determinative such um, incentives are? I think an excellent example is Amazon has announced that they want a second corporate headquarters. And they explicitly listed what they're looking for. Uh, And I think it's somewhat funny in in terms of the order. They started out with the uh, notion they wanted a city of one million people. They wanted close proximity to an international airport. They wanted a diverse uh, workforce. They wanted to have proof that the workforce would have the talent and skill set that they require. And they want proximity to extensive transportation systems. And then lastly, they put in a rider, and this is what I was mentioning about amusing, is the willingness to have significant legislative changes. So that's where they'd be getting not only Um, you know, the tax abatement, perhaps um, regulation relief, but some other activities that they would want. And when you're talking about 50,000 plus jobs, I would imagine that there'll be a number of cities and a number of states that'll be doing backflips in order to accommodate them. So we discussed also um, some of Alexion's troubles that you enumerated Um, regarding their move out of their moving their headquarters from New Haven to Boston. So it should not fall um, totally on the back of the state of Connecticut. Um, But how do you explain then GE's moving its headquarters to Boston and the move of Aetna's headquarters from Hartford to New York City? I think with GE, it's pretty straightforward. Um, I think GE talked about the tax issue, particularly the suggestion by Malloy to have a tax on corporate headquarters. If you take a look at GE's history, they probably have the best tax lawyers on the planet Earth. Uh, for several years, they paid zero in federal taxes. And I, I'd be feel quite confident that they could have either made sure that that corporate, tax, corporate headquarters tax wouldn't have gone through or been able to maintain you know, a reasonable state taxes. I think what happened was that if you take a look at some of the ads on DV of GE, they talk about how they want a significant digital 
component for their entire operations. And what they looked at was Boston gave them a much deeper talent pool for that type of uh, move. And that they're only, you know, the corporate headquarters, I think, in GE in Boston will only be about 800 people, uh, which is a significant different amount than, than they had at Fairfield. So I think that's, that's one of the areas where GE made the decision on talent. I think with Aetna, um, same, same notion. They're going to try to be developing digitally-based healthcare programs. And I think their movement to New York, which was a limited number of the personnel, just the top corporate with some ancillary staff, is tied into both the question that they'd prefer to be in uh, New York rather than uh, Hartford, and also that they might be able to tap into some of the uh, skill sets that they could find in New York, maybe even raiding people from the Dumbo section of New York. Now, New Haven does have incredible brain power. You meet a lot of very smart people in a geographically tight area. And on this program alone, I've had the opportunity to speak to incredibly interesting and intelligent people. So you do have perhaps a very high concentration of a talented pool. But, you know, perhaps that's like several other college towns, but, you know, more of a mini urban city. I think it's more comparable to uh, Providence, perhaps, than just say Northampton, Hanover, or Amherst, Massachusetts. But even if it's a wonderfully interesting town in that way or city in that way, we have a population of 130,000. And you compare that experience with Boston, which has about 66, uh, 667,000 people. And then there's New York City, which has about 8.5 million people. How can we? talk about building tech hubs, competitive corridors of entrepreneurial businesses in this, with these types of comparisons. Do we need just a much larger mass of population to really compete? Normally I'd say yes, but if you take a look at two of the most successful tech hubs, Silicon Valley, I mean, they're outside of San Francisco. What they had was the talent of the multiple universities. They also assisted and created an entrepreneurial attitude so that people would graduate and start up a business. The same thing happened to uh, San Antonio. The universe, you know, legend has it that the president of the University of Texas at, Aus, at, San, at Austin sorry, um, went around and recruited not only uh, PhDs in physics, but Nobel Prize winners, gave them sweet deals, what happened was he turned it into a technological power hitter. But also, Austin was a nice town to live in. So what happened was a lot of the students who graduated said, basically, I want to stay here, and this is where I want to start up my business. So I think, perhaps as a suggestion, not only do we have tremendously talented people in technical areas coming from Yale, from UConn, from uh, Quinnipiac, from many of the other um, colleges and uh, universities here in the state. I think what we really need is a way for the state to assist them to make the transition to more of an entrepreneurial uh, environment. Uh, you, I think if you look up um, Babson, which has you know, a tremendous record as being the premier entrepreneurial um, college in the United States, a few years ago, they created, um, they didn't create, but right next to them is Olin School of Engineering. Right from the get-go, they decided there'd be a cross-linkage. 
So you would have engineering students that would be exposed to entrepreneurship so that they would be able to think in those terms. And you also had entrepreneurs who had much greater linkage with engineering and top tech. So when they graduated, this type of you know marriage uh, enabled more and more firms to be created. And were those cities that you noted about the size of New Haven, or were they much? Are they substantially larger? I think at the time, because um, we're talking about forty years ago with Austin, it might have been in the, the same area. Oh, John, Steve Johnson has a book on innovation, and he does talk about critical mass. Okay, you know, is New Haven kind of not stuck, but in a situation that's similar to Ann Arbor, Michigan, or Berkeley, California, both who have roughly 120,000 people as well, that they have very nice reputations that are quite university dominated, but I don't really see them quite taking off in terms of being a major city attracting new talent from all around the country. Is is New Haven kind of stuck in that model as well? They may be. They may be. And why? Um, I, I would ask, what, what are you going to be able to offer people that graduate from these, you know, institutions and want to stay, to make them stay? Um, take a look. Boston has, over the last 30 years, had a big commitment to re- rebuild itself, to make it much more attractive for people to stay. They also uh, made a, a program to make sure that it was affordable to stay. You know, if I'm going to be graduating with student debt and I'm thinking in terms of creating a business and even though I might receive, you know, venture capital funding, I still have to live in the area. And I want to be able to be able to do that without having all of my excess cash going just for rent. Now, going back to the true impact in the move in headquarters, if Alexion is still maintaining 450 people in the new building uh, that was basically created for it, for biotech research, will there need to will they need to bring in other biotech companies into that building, and who could come? I th- I think that um, a liaison between Yale University, uh, Yale Medical. Um, and New Haven's economic development could probably find enough businesses or assist in the creation of businesses to be able to fill out a considerable portion of that building. Okay. So if the building was specifically created for pharmaceutical research, how adaptable would that be to housing other businesses? And how wasteful would it be for a non-research tech shop in that building to set up shop? Uh, it depends upon, for the non-tech, it depends upon uh, what the rents will be. Uh, in terms of the technologies, I'm not that familiar with all of the technologies that went into the building. I, I think that some pharmaceutical operations, some biotech, could probably draw upon the capabilities. You know, if they had pumped in money in order to make sure they have fiber optic, you know, you could have some um, digital media firms move in, um, you know, some... AI, perhaps, you know, startups could, you know, fulfill some of the more smaller offices. So, yeah, I think they'd be able to, uh, you know, with, with effort, be able to occupy, see that the building is occupied. So where do you think the onus falls in this? Is it the city of New Haven that needs to approach the entities that you mentioned? Or how is this going to move forward? Um, from my standpoint, I think you start with the state. 
uh, although that's going to be extraordinarily difficult right now. It seems as though the state legislature can't get anything in play. Um, but it would be nice if the state created a framework across the state with local municipalities in terms of trying to get better linkages between educational institutions, existing businesses, and the notion of supporting entrepreneurship and business startups. Now, I've read you believe it's necessary for Alexian to pay back the loan with interest and funds given by the state because the state must loudly and clearly show it will not allow those who receive state funds to run off and enjoy the benefits elsewhere. As I said before, there's a hostility to this entire notion of providing state funds to support businesses, both on the left and on the right. When you get this particular case occur, you really need to make a statement. And I think uh, the state needs to scream at Alexion, which they've done. Uh, we want our engagement ring back. Uh, and I, it was remarkable that so quickly Alexion responded, don't worry, the check is you know, almost in the mail for it. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time and Professor Cadden has to run off to tend to his busy day. But thank you, David Cadden, Professor of Entrepreneurship and Strategy Emeritus at Quinnipiac University. Thank you so much for having me. This has been very enjoyable. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. I'm Betsy Kim on WNHH 103.5 FM Law, Life and Culture. Oh, 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 oh,